So I guess um, here's how I'll start this. Um, and forgive me in advance if I'm looking at my computer more than I'm looking at you because I just want to make sure that I'm gathering and speaking everything that I feel like I'm supposed to. Okay? that fair? Cool. So um, the uh, if you want to, I guess the title of this is If He Isn't Going, Neither Am I. Um, or if you are taking notes. Um, if He Isn't Going, Neither Am I um, is what I'm going to title this. And and uh, I guess this is kind of the, the sermon that the Lord has been preparing since I... I guess at the beginning of this year, he's been kind of preparing this on my heart since the beginning of the year. Um, and there's this, I'll give you a, a little quote here from from your boy, Lex Martin, who's me. And it says, there comes a point in our lives where we only leave comfort if comfort goes with us. And... Um, and what I mean is I need to love the comfort of Holy Spirit more than my situation, more than anything else in this world, okay? I can find comfort in a lot of things. Find comfort in food, finance, a career, a house, a degree, you know, whatever it is. I can find, I can find more comfort in one guitar versus another. I can find comfort in one whatever more than another. Um, and... We need to love the comfort of Holy Spirit more than any other. And I was praying and asking the Holy Spirit of what we were going to talk about tonight. And, and this is kind of what the Lord uh, prompted me in. So, and I guess the only, only reason I can preach this is because I left a, a level of comfort in my life this year because I knew comfort was going somewhere else. Um, and what I mean by that is I left comfort of a career, left comfort of a paycheck, <laughs> of providing um, that all of that because I knew Holy Spirit wasn't on it anymore. And I use that term, I, I use that phrasing lightly because I, I don't want to sound like a mystic or anything like that. What I want to communicate is that I left that comfort because I knew Holy Spirit was going somewhere else and I didn't want to leave him. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't make sense now, it will at the end, okay? Because um, I want to add a bunch of language to this, okay? So um, when I left my job this year in June, the only thing I knew that was next was that I had a couple weeks of like some side work. Uh, if you guys remember, I was painting that house in Vail for my grandfather. And I knew I would make some money, right? Um, and I did make some money, which was good. But it wasn't enough to sustain the next however many <laughs> months. Um, and that's all I had lined up. That's it. Um, I didn't have any other job lined up. I didn't have any idea of what was going to come next. Okay? Um, with leaving behind the amount of money that I was making, I left a comfort. It was easy. I could have continued to do it. I could have continued to lack in other areas of my life because of that level of comfort that I did have. Um, but I understood that Holy Spirit was had a leading, that Holy Spirit was leading me somewhere else and I didn't want to grieve him. Okay? Um, so all through scripture, it speaks of not grieving Holy Spirit. 
And this kind of confused me in my early years in my relationship with Holy Spirit. And the reason was because I viewed Holy Spirit as as a lesser form of God. And maybe you guys can relate to this because I feel like since I started the home, the Lord has kind of purposed me in a retraining of people who say that they're believers in Christ. I believe that he's kind of purposed me in that that there's been this retraining that he's let me be a part of with people. Uh, you know, some of you guys were in church maybe your entire lives or maybe not. And you had this idea of who the Lord was, this God was. But then you got introduced to the Holy Spirit in a way that you've never been introduced to him. And that was the way I was raised, was I didn't know much about Holy Spirit. I knew that there was some kind of form um, or this blob named Holy Spirit, but I didn't know how I was going to interact with it, or it uh, was the verbiage that I used to use. Um, and the reason being is because I used I, I, I viewed him as a lesser form of God, right? Mm-hmm. And anybody relate with this, or am I speaking Chinese? Okay, yeah, it's just a way that we were trained. Whether it was at the home, whether or, or before the home, whether it was at your church before that church or that church or whatever it was, there was this training that we had to understand that the Holy Spirit was just as much God as God the Father and just as much God as Jesus. Yes, mm-hmm. and I hope you know that today. Mm-hmm. If you don't, there's bonus. But why then did the Bible only speak of grieving him, the Holy Spirit? And it got me, it got me thinking. That's kind of what has kicked off the rest of this message. But I want to tell you a quick story. Has everybody heard of Catherine Coleman? You have? Okay. Anybody know anything about her? No? Okay. Cool. <laughs> doesn't matter what she was was the most one of the most anointed women of God who ever came into America and whoever preached the gospel and worked in incredible miraculous power and is the reason many heroes of the faith are called heroes of the faith today okay just to put that in perspective she had such a level of anointing that she carried by her devotion to the Lord because she was special but just because she was that devoted that you knew when she walked into her room something would change not because the door opened not because you heard the door unlatched not because the door shut you would just know that something shifted in the room katie talked a little bit about atmosphere last week and she said she felt the atmosphere shift when she was postured differently okay that same thing would happen when Catherine coleman would walk into a room She's in charge. She was, she was, how do I say this properly? She was one of, she was a person who thousands came to Christ because of. Okay? Hero of the faith. Incredible woman of God. So, there was this moment in Catherine Coleman, she's dead now, in Catherine Coleman's time on earth, in the middle of the sermon, big, big gatherings she would throw. Right, and she would she would talk like this, you know. If you ever look at a picture, she's probably like this, okay. That old finger, and I'll talk about it in a second. All right, in the middle of the sermon, where she literally collapsed, 
buried her face in her hands and started weeping on the platform. And just picture this. People traveled from far, far, far away to come to these meetings so that they could get a touch from God. They came with that level of expectation. Not in Catherine Coleman, but of what she carried. Okay? I want to make that distinction. Okay? So people traveled from all over. All over. The nation, sometimes the world if they had the funds. Okay? She was that sought after. And people recount this story as if when she collapsed, when she started weeping in her hands, on her knees, as if you could hear a pin drop on a carpet floor. Or if you could hear a baby's heartbeat in a mother's womb, it was that silent. Picture that. The most quiet situation you've ever been in, it was, it was deadening quiet. It was like your ears started to ring. It was so quiet because our American ears were like, what the heck? I can't even handle that, right? Okay, so this took place. You could have heard anything. And she, um, uh, where I lost my spot. The weeping lasted for about 10 to 15 minutes. And the people who were there said it felt like about an hour. And this weight filled the room. I don't know how to say it any other way, but when the presence of the Lord comes into a space and you're aware of him, there's a weight and there's a presence that kind of fills the room. It almost feels like you could swim in the air kind of thing. Does that make sense? And uh, Anybody relate with this? Anybody felt this? Okay, cool. So she slowly raised her head. Remember, she's still on her knees. She slowly raised her head, looked at the crowd, looked at, sorry, looked at the crowd, with mascara running down her face. She was a hot mess, okay? And if you know anything about Catherine Coleman, she was one of the most well-put-together women that ever walked the planet. You never saw her in sweats. <laughs> she was always in a decked-out gown. She was always done up. She took never dressed down to a whole other level. She was glamorous, okay? But mascara was running down her face. And... So this display was an earth-shaking scene for what was taking place in a Catherine Coleman meeting. Usually it was all beauty and chariots and very, very elegant. A lot of money <laughs> kind of thing, right? She wanted to roll out the best for the Lord in her meetings. Okay, so she stood up at this point, pointed her one finger as she was shaking at the crowd and started begging them. Her one finger that I was talking about earlier, she started begging them, pleading with them between her weeping of never grieving the Holy Spirit. It was an incredible revolutionary thing that who, people who were a part of that never forgot the rest of their lives. Because what the Lord did after that, after her begging and pleading, she did that for the rest of the meeting. These were sometimes four or five hour long meetings kind of things, you know, the bread and butter. Yes, yes. All right. Four or five hour kind of meetings. And the remainder of that meeting, she did this. And then the last 30 minutes or so, as people recount it, she invited everybody to come to the altar. 
And it was this beautiful moment where everybody traveled from around the nation, sometimes from even around the world, and they all rushed the altar as quickly as they've ever rushed the altar. Think of an altar call that you've maybe even witnessed or a, or a moment that you've gotten to see or how fast people's hands shot up, you know, that kind of stuff, that kind of altar call. But back then, it wasn't hands shooting up with eyes bowed and, you know, and heads closed. <laughs> what is it? Uh, eyes closed and heads bowed. It wasn't that. It wasn't in, I'm going to hide in this confession. It was, I want to be the first one to the stage. And to put it in perspective, people would line up in front of the doors of these churches for hours. They would watch the sun rise before these meetings. 5 a.m., 3 a.m. sometimes, that they would stand so that they could have the first place in line, right? And then when those doors opened, it was chaos. People would run as fast as they could into these sanctuaries. This is what Catherine Coleman experienced, Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen, these heroes of the faith who just carried the Lord in a special, special way. Catherine Coleman did this. And why I'm telling you this is because of her statement, never grieve the Holy Spirit. Never grieve the Holy Spirit. Maybe that doesn't mean much to you right now. It will at the end of this. I hope that this is one of those messages that you remember the rest of your life. Not just another Thursday message where it's just like, yeah, that was, that was a good truth, you know? But then if you ask me about it next week, uh, don't ask me about it because I don't remember. I hope this one sticks with you for a while, okay? Because I feel so heavily, based on conversations that I've had with people in this room, not in this room, that there is something that the Holy Spirit wants to unlock in your heart into a deeper fellowship with Him. Okay? Are you with me in this invitation? Yes. Great. So, why am I telling you all this? Because you need to understand the weight of this and the weight of an unyielded person to the Holy Spirit. An unyielded person to the Holy Spirit is a grieved Holy Spirit. Okay? That's all you need to know. Why could Stephen, remember Stephen in, in the book of Acts? He was getting stoned to death. Why could Stephen endure that beating that he took? Does anybody know? Why could he? Why could he? Great. Yeah, exactly. He was looking and gazing into heaven. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Who did he see in heaven? What's the scripture say? Yes. Jesus and the Father. And the, the essence of the Father was literally just his glory. Because if you see the Father, you die. Yes? Okay? It was his glory. Just like Moses saw where he was and his glory of where he was. Yes? Remember this? Okay, so Stephen actually saw just the glory of God and Jesus at the right hand. Just as Scripture speaks of. Where was Holy Spirit? In him. In him, dude. Okay, so the crazy thing about this is we see, we can usually say, oh, where's the, where are the manifestations of the Trinity all unveiled at one time? And we're usually thinking, oh, well, totally, like Mount Transfiguration, 
when Jesus was baptized, when Jesus was crucified. We can, we can see those things. But, okay, where was it in Stephen's life? And we got to see that on full display, where we saw the Father, or the Father's glory. He got to, we got to see Jesus, and he understood who Holy Spirit was. Holy Spirit was the reason that he got through it. Not because of what he saw, but because of what he was. And the essence of his being was a yielded person to the Holy Ghost. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. In Revelation, it reads, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. This isn't just a poetic, this is our reality. This is our invitation to the full glory of God. Okay? Holy Spirit can be in the room, but he will never force himself upon somebody. Did you know this? He could be in the room right now, but he will never force his way into your, or he will never force his voice into your being. He will never force a manifestation into you, unless you're willing. Unless there's an invitation. Why is this so important? Because if we think that he's going to just force himself into, into situations, we think he's a force, not a person. Holy Spirit is a person. I'm sorry, I don't just show up in Benji's bedroom without an invitation. Or ever in Benji's bedroom, okay? I don't just show up there without an invitation. I don't just show up here without an invitation. Why? Because I'm a person, right? I need to view Holy Spirit as a person as well. He needs our welcoming. He needs our invitation. Not to coddle, but to submit. There's something when I say, Holy Spirit, come into the room where my posture, my awareness, my wants change forever. Okay? <laughs> so why does the Bible talk exclusively about not grieving the Holy Spirit? Well, if you would, turn to Acts 16. Turn to Acts 16. And I want to have some fun through this, okay? Yes. And this is probably a story you've maybe read before or, you know, haven't read before. And I just want to read this little snippet of this chapter and then chat through it with you and tell you what's actually taking place here. Okay? Okay. So verse 6. Everybody there? Yes. Verse 6, and I'll read to 10. And they, um, they being Paul and Timothy, and Paul and Timothy went through the region of uh, Phrygia. Phrygia? Phrygia. You've got it now, huh? Dude, that's so <laughs> cool. Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbid, check this, having been forbid by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in, that, in the night. A man of uh, Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he went sought uh, he immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, what I want to highlight here 
And before I highlight, I've got to ask you a couple questions. There's three questions. All right, have fun with me. Yes. Is there a bad place you should worship the Lord? Yeah, maybe it's not. Not in his presence. Not in his presence? Is that, is that possible? Lord. You can't worship the Lord unless you're worshiping the Lord right. No. Okay, think about it. Here's the next one. Is there a bad place in the Bible that you should read? Anywhere you're not called. Okay, cool. We're kind of divided a little bit. The last one. Is there someone you shouldn't share the gospel with? Someone who you're called not to. I'm going to do a little bit of invitation here tonight. The thing is, here's the answer for all three of these questions. If they, they are all bad, if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you there. They are all bad if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you there. Why go to church if Holy Spirit didn't tell you to go there? Why read the Bible if Holy Spirit didn't tell you where to read? Why share the gospel if the Holy Spirit didn't tell you to share the gospel? Mm -hmm. But you're like, what? I'm supposed to always. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, an unyielded person to the Holy Spirit thinks that way. A person yielded to the Holy Spirit understands, I need to go to church, this place. A yielded to the Holy Spirit person thinks, he's illuminating that I should read here in the scriptures. A yielded person in the Holy Spirit knows exactly who to share the gospel with. Because why? They're probably going to say, I want that. Right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. yeah. The thing is, Holy Spirit will never stop you from doing something, period. Holy Spirit will never stop you from doing something. Why? Because that would take away our free will. Mm -hmm. Right? He didn't create robots for that exact reason. The Holy Spirit could have stopped Adam and Eve at that tree, but he didn't. Why? Because he wanted the choice. He gave and created free will. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. Right? I can go share the gospel to anybody and everybody. <laughs> and yeah, I'll maybe see a 5% success rate. Maybe. <laughs> right? Because there's something about a yielded person to the Holy Spirit. And maybe you're thinking, well, what about Jonah? Anybody think that? Anybody think, what about Jonah? Because you should have. Because <laughs> that might be the only spot. Um, I'm sorry. It doesn't work. It doesn't debunk what I just said. Why? Because Jonah... Yeah, he decided to jump overboard or to be thrown overboard. Yes? It was his decision. It wasn't that the Holy Spirit picked him up and threw him into the ocean. Yes? Yeah. What Holy Spirit did do is that he saved him by that big fish. Yeah. <laughs> or else, dude's drowning. Mm -hmm. Yes? What Holy Spirit did do is saved him, spewed him out. 
Yes? <laughs> Put him on dry land. What could have Jonah done? Anything that he wanted to. He could have still said, hell no, I'm not going to Nineveh. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. He could have done that. Yes? Mm -hmm. yeah. But guess what? He was like, wait, <laughs> I'm way off on this. Holy Spirit's definitely, or as he said it, the Lord, the Spirit of God is definitely leading me to this place. Yes? Mm -hmm. yeah. We can do whatever we want. I know that's so bad of a pastor to say. But at the end of the day, Holy Spirit will give us a way out of our wants and into our needs. Why do I say that? Well, because Paul spoke it. He will give me a way out of my flesh so that I can satisfy the Spirit. Isn't that cool? Mm -hmm. Man, what a freedom that that brings. Yes? Mm -hmm. Okay. The Lord did not handcuff Jonah and make him go to Nineveh. Okay? Jonah accepted the leading of the Holy Spirit and went. Yes? I'll slow down. Looks like we're rapidly, rapidly. The Holy Spirit will never stop us from doing anything. And I'll give language to this in Acts 16 too, because it, it may make you think, well, the Holy Spirit forbid them, Lex. <laughs> well, give me a second. Okay. Okay, so we can surely do whatever we want. So in this story in Acts 16, it's not that Paul ran into a literal wall that forbid him to go into that city or to go into Asia, but it's this. Paul's awareness of Holy Spirit's voice forbid them from going. Not in the sense of, I'm going to take away your legs. <laughs> not in the sense of, I'm going to take away your chariot. Not in the sense I'm taking away your legs, but... Paul's awareness of Holy Spirit's leadings and movings and voice was enough for him to say, if he's not going, I'm not going. If he's not going, I'm not going. So this could have been happens after, like he realized that he was forbidden to go after. Exactly. Because the crazy thing is Paul wanted to go to Asia okay, or else so it wouldn't have been captured. He wanted to go to Bith whatever, Bithina, <laughs> or else it wouldn't have been written down. So catch this. This was Paul's mentality. If Holy Spirit isn't going, neither am I. Isn't that wild? Mm -hmm. But like Lex, he wanted to share the gospel in Asia and Bithina. Yeah, I bet he did. Don't you want to share the gospel everywhere you go? Mm -hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> right? If not... All right, let's let's read it. Let's uh, get that fire going again. You know, like like let's hit that spark again, kind of thing. All right. If Holy Spirit's not going, neither am I. Yes, that has to be our mentality. That was Paul's mentality. And frankly, is this even on our radar? Right? Is this mentality even on our radar, or are we more moved or led by our consciousness? then we are led by the Holy Spirit. Our consciousness, meaning this seems like a good idea. This seems like a good opportunity. This seems like a good fill in the blank. This seems like a good church. This seems like a good worship song. This seems like the best spot to read in the Bible. This seems like 
Mm-hmm. I'm not discounting your consciousness, but a consciousness not trained is a consciousness led astray. Make sense? Mm-hmm. With me yeah. still? Yes. Like there's been moments, and Madison can allude to this, there's been moments where when Madison was working bedside that she understood that she needed to go to one room versus another even though it was out of her normal flow of things. Why? Not because of a stream of consciousness where that seemed like a better decision, but she realized that if the Holy Spirit's not going, I'm not. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? What's that look like in your day-to-day? What's that look like when you're at an estimate? <laughs> you know? Like, oh, frick. I don't feel right in this house. I don't think I'm going to get paid on this job. Is that a stream of consciousness? Is that a, is that a judgmental spirit? Or is that, like, the Holy Spirit's not on this. I'm not going. What's that mean in your day-to-day? What's that mean with the route you take driving to and from work or school or Whatever it is. What's that mean? Make sense? Mm-hmm. Raise your hand if you've ever experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. Good. All right. If you haven't, we're in it right now. All right. My question is, how did you know? How did you know? Was it a stream of consciousness where this felt different? Or was it, you just know? Or maybe here's a different question. How do you know that you're saved? Did God himself, Jesus himself, appear to you in your bedroom and say, hey, I heard that prayer. You are saved. Did he do that? That would be cool. That would be cool. Right? All right. All right, back to the presence of the Holy Spirit. What did you do differently in that moment? When you were in the presence of the Holy Spirit, what did you do differently in that moment than all the other times? No expectations. Have you ever thought of that? Have you ever been like, man, what did I do different? That was a cool moment. I spoke in tongues at that moment. What did I do different? (laughs) Or whatever it is. Or I just worshiped the Lord in every way I've ever worshiped Him before. How did you know? What did you do different? And then the last question is, why did you leave? Why did you leave? That's the one that might haunt us a little bit more. <laughs> right? We can try to make the equation for, okay, what did I do then the other times? You know, I can try to fill out that equation and try to, you know, throw it up on that big whiteboard and, all right, let's dissect all this and all that kind of stuff, and I could psychoanalyze and overanalyze, okay, how did I know that I was in the Holy Spirit? Now I'm second-guessing everything. What the heck? I thought you were supposed to be helping me in this. Well, hold on. The biggest part of that entire thing is why did you leave? Holy Spirit is not a destination. He's a person. Sometimes we think Holy Spirit's a destination, you know? (laughs) Frankly, we saw it. Most of you guys saw it because you were in the 
the lovely times at the home where we were packed and there was not enough space for everybody. Everybody was sweating and screaming at the top of the lungs to the Lord and pouring out a sweet incense to the Lord, yes? I believe that's why we grew so much because we became a destination of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if I'm speaking freely. But then why did we leave? Not the basement, not that, or not whatever. But we totally understand the Holy Spirit's everywhere, yes? Mm -hmm. And mostly me. Yes? Mm -hmm. So why did I leave a presence? Why did I not have a mentality of where he's going? This lovely, lovely feeling, this expression that's taking place in me. Where's he going now? And is my life a living invitation for him? Because again, Paul's mentality was, if Holy Spirit isn't going, neither am I. The funny thing is, is that we can think of moments in our lives or even conjure up manifestations of where we think he should be. Yes? Mm -hmm. Paul understood that he had nothing to offer if he wasn't with the Holy Spirit. Do we? Do we understand that I hold nothing without Holy Spirit living, breathing in and out of me? Here's my next question. Do you think Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit? Or does that mess with your theology a little bit too much? Was Jesus led by Holy Spirit? Or did Jesus just think of cool places to walk and did what he wanted to do, because he was God anyway. Anybody know? It was the Holy Spirit. Okay, cool. So is that one moment? I agree. I agree. Jesus himself said this, I only do what I see the Father do. And I only speak what I hear the Father speaking. Okay, I'm going to turn just to make sure that I'm not even anything in the dark here. Um, Where is that? I think it's... Um, good question, Blake. I didn't write that address down. But you could Google that and it'll yeah. find it right away. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but in Luke 4, 18, it, uh, Jesus says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? Well, I'm glad you asked. To proclaim good news to the poor. And also, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Hmm. So even Jesus himself, which really blows my theology up sometimes, was led by a Holy Spirit. Yes, I understand that they're co-harmony and all that kind of stuff, but how can God indwell God? I don't know, all right? That's going to be one of those questions that I ask him when I get there, okay? Um, so don't, don't quiz me on it, all right? Holy Spirit wasn't only active to humans post-Pentecost, is my point. Sometimes we think that way. Like, oh, well, Pentecost happened, so the indwellment happened. Well, actually, 
Not so much. Okay? Holy Spirit isn't lesser than the Father or the Son. He is just as much God as both of them. Yes? Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yes. Okay, good. Jesus himself relied on Holy Spirit. So here's my question. Why do we think we can just force the Lord to go to downtown Denver and demand his movings? Why do I think that I can demand a move of Holy Spirit to meet somebody in the parking lot when he never had anything to do with it? Listen to this. I could actually do more damage. I could actually do more damage. We see it all over the news. Christians did this. Fun. Interesting. <laughs> Wonder why. Oh, well, their consciousness thought that it was a good idea, not the Holy Spirit. Right? Because Holy Spirit is victorious over souls, yes? Yes. Do we understand that? He's yes. victorious over souls. He's not just like, well, oh, they're totally not going to get saved. Hmm. He understands what he's doing. Could I actually do more damage outside of the Holy Spirit? Yes, I can. And Holy Spirit has pretty strong thoughts on this kind of behavior. Very strong thoughts, actually, on this kind of behavior when you don't partake in what he's doing. And what's that look like? Anybody have an idea of what that looks like in Scripture? A little bit earlier in Acts. Huh? A little bit earlier in Acts. Of who? Of exactly. Ananias and Sapphira. They ended up dead. Instantly. Why? Well, because they didn't obey the Holy Spirit's guiding. Yeah. What's that mean? That they actually blasphemed him. What's that mean? Well, maybe you're like Lex. They lied, though. I'm still trying to share the gospel. <laughs> like, well, it's not what the Holy Spirit's doing. You get it? Lying is just as bad as not partnering with him. Both of them are the root of grieving him. Are you hearing me properly tonight? Mm -hmm. Yes? Okay. Yeah. Good. Grieving Holy Spirit is blasphemy and according and according to scripture, unforgivable. Holy crap. So thankful, I am so thankful for his grace on my life because mm -hmm. I've grieved him. I have. For whatever reason, he still decides to use me, though. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to ask, but I'm okay with it, right? Mm -hmm. I just don't ever want to do it again. Mm -hmm. I have said no to his leadings. So have you, all right? So don't crucify me, all right? We've said no. It's not something to brag about, but it's something to glorify him in because of his grace abundantly for us. Yes? I should be just as dead as Ananias and Sapphira. I should be. Are you with me? Yes. Yes? That's why Paul was speaking of walking in or walking with Holy Spirit because you will not live out the desires of your flesh. 
Yes, if I walk in him, I do not walk in me. Yes? The cool thing is, I should be just as dead as Ananias and Sapphira, and I am just as dead as Ananias and Sapphira because the Holy Spirit is alive in me. Yes? Yes. I'm still learning. <laughs> I am. Have grace with me, remember? I'm still learning. So are you. But he's making a representation. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is what it looks like. Are you with me? Yes. Go to Luke 12.10. I want you to put your eyes on this. Okay? Because I think if you see it, instead of hear me read it, it'll stick with you a little bit more. Is that fair? Yes. All right? Before we read there, I want to say this and write this down. The only way Jesus is glorified is by the work of of Holy Spirit. Yep. The only way Jesus is glorified is by the work of Holy Spirit. I can't just do the right things in hopes that he's glorified. My consciousness just can't say, oh, well, that worship song did it before. He's singing new songs day after day, minute after minute over me right now. He's probably singing a different song over you right now in heaven and he's dancing over you. Mm -hmm. There's a new song. Yes? Yes. There's a new prayer. There is a new leading. Always. Okay? Mm -hmm. So in Luke 12, 10, everybody have their eyes on it? Yes. Check what this says. Jesus himself says this. This should kind of shake you a little bit. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I don't want you to focus on the second half as much as I want to focus on the first half. <laughs> What's the first half? Anybody who speaks against the Son of Man will be forgiven. What in the world? But... Isn't Jesus the centrifugal force behind everything in Christianity? But I'll be forgiven if I speak against him? Huh, interesting. But if I speak against the Holy Spirit, what's that mean? Oh, crap. Are you getting it? Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you see it? Are your eyes on that verse still? Because mm -hmm. that should be like, oh, crap. This is serious. Right? This is serious. The, what's interesting is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all they did was tear down who Jesus was. Mm -hmm. Right? Guess what? They're forgiven. Holy crap! They're forgiven, if they accept it, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously. But they're forgiven. Why? Because they didn't say anything against Holy Spirit. They said something about Jesus and who he was. Huh. But then what happens with the Holy Spirit blasphemers? Well, that's not good. It's not good. People who say Holy Spirit is alive and active today, what happens? Oh, I don't know. I can't go there, but according to this, I can a little bit. Doesn't sound fun. Right? 
Ananias and Sapphira sinned against the Holy Spirit. Yes? Mm-hmm. And how'd they end up? Well, I don't know. I don't know where they're at today. <laughs> I don't know if they're in heaven or in the, if they're in hell. I, I don't know. I can't judge that. I'm not God, right? Mm-hmm. But I can maybe connect some dots. I'm like, well, huh. Huh. Right? Is this making sense? Are you yes. guys with yeah. me still? Okay. Cool. So let me blow your mind a little bit more. You guys with me? Yes. Okay. Did you know that you've never heard the voice of the Father? You've never heard the voice of Jesus either. Did you know that? Some of us are like, well, Jesus came and spoke to me today. Well, hold on. You can't handle that. You would literally disintegrate. And I'll tell you why. I've got scripture. Don't worry. You're like, well, the Father spoke something to me today. Nope. You would literally turn into ash. You would turn into dust. And you'd be like, well, what happened there? <laughs> right? You couldn't handle it. Just as much as you can't handle seeing him, let alone hearing him. Okay? You can't handle it. Let me tell you why. Well, first, let me tell you this. You've only heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Period. You've only heard His voice. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It sounds really nice right now, doesn't it? But you're like, well, hold on. I thought I was kind of holy. I heard Jesus before. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe you heard what Jesus spoke, but Holy Spirit delivers. Because <laughs> you can't handle it, dude. <laughs> you can't handle it. Okay? Let me give you some, um, some addresses here. Um, and I'll, I want us to turn to all of them, okay? Okay. Uh, go to Romans 8.16. Romans 8.16. Here it is. The Spirit. Keyword, the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes? A.K.A. who? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit himself. Himself. Are you seeing the personhood of him? Yes? yes? Isn't this cool? Maybe not. All right. Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we mm-hmm. are children of God. Mm-hmm. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Mm-hmm. Okay? Key verse, obviously verse 16. I just I hate stopping at commas. All right? Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit. You think sometimes that you're only supposed to hear Holy Spirit speak with your ears. And yeah, I'm not discounting that. I, I've heard an audible voice before too. Okay? But I didn't hear it with my ear. <laughs> okay? I heard it in my spirit. Okay? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's confusing. That's okay. All right? Go to Second uh, Corinthians um, chapter 13. That is not it. Um, hold on. 
I wrote down the wrong thing. Frick. Oh, you know why? Because I'm in first. Corinthians. I was like, there's no 13, 14 in first Corinthians. So it is second. Corinthians. It is second Corinthians. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 14. It says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. You see the two representations, Jesus mm -hmm. and the Father and the fellowship. Oh, how sweet is the fellowship. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with you all, okay? The grace, those grace is given. Mm -hmm. Fellowship is tight, yes? Yeah. Okay, grace can only be given, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. Holy Spirit is part of a fellowship. What's the difference? Anybody wanna take a run at this? What's the difference? One can never be earned, and the other one is through relation and closeness. One is relationship. Period. Do you see what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. yeah. I only have relationship with Holy Spirit. I can still magnify all three, yes? I can still magnify the Lord. Yes, all three, the Lord, God Almighty, all three, yes, mm -hmm. with me. I can still glorify and address Jesus and address God the Father, yes. Mm -hmm. But the fellowship of Holy Spirit is something that's close and indwelling and tight, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, this is a fellowship in this room right now. We are all in fellowship, right? Yes? Yes. That's pretty cool. So now you understand how Holy Spirit works. Holy Spirit speaks to you plainly, like this fellowship. Like Tommy, you could right now address Katie. It's very simply. Right? Why? Because we're in fellowship. That's our relationship with Holy Spirit. If we go with him. Mm -hmm. If we invite him. If we welcome him. Mm -hmm. Making sense so far? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's another one. Romans 5, 5. Easy one to remember. The address. 5, 5. Okay, it reads, And hope does not put us to shame, because, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Yeah. This is cool, yes? Mm -hmm. This might change our prayer life a little bit, yes? We might understand how God Almighty actually does interact with us. Why? Because Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. He is the one delivering the pouring. Yes, he's the one coming up and saying, hey, here's the host, fill up your bucket. He's the one saying, hey, the Father has a little bit of love to give you. You want it? He's the one. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing tonight? Isn't that good news tonight? Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's good news, yes? Yes. The Holy Spirit is the one who communicates heaven into the heart. Mm -hmm. Let me say it again. Holy Spirit is the one who communicates heaven 
into the heart. And maybe you're asking, well, what's the voice of Jesus sound like? And what's the voice of the Father sound like? Well, I'm glad you asked because I've got scripture. All right? I told you I'm going to have a little fun tonight. Yeah? Mm -hmm. All right? So the voice of Jesus is described in Revelation. Man, I hope I wrote this right down right. This was a lot of coffee in. Revelation. Let's see. Oh, yep. Now I remember. I think it's Revelation chapter 1. one. Sorry, I need to slow down when I take notes, maybe. Yeah, here it is. Great. Okay, here you go. Let's go uh, verse. Uh, let's go verse fourteen through uh, fifteen. You ready? Mm -hmm. You've heard this before, but you're like, well, wait. Okay, yeah, I know. You've heard it before. Revelation chapter one, verse fourteen. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice, here it is. Mm -hmm. Are you hearing it? Yes. And his voice was like a roar of many waters. Mm -hmm. In his right hand, he held up seven stars. And from his mouth came a two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Did you hear how Jesus' voice sounds? Mm -hmm. Like the roar of many waters. Does anybody speak water in here? Mm -hmm. No, but I do speak Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I do understand Holy Spirit. And thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you can interpret water into English. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. Okay. When John heard it, you see his reaction in verse 17. Check it out. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. Oh, so you think you can handle the voice of Jesus? No, you can't. You can't. Because even at the sight of him, he fell as if he was dead. Mm -hmm. Some Pentecostals or Charismatics call this slain in the spirit. They can't handle they can't handle it. Right? Are you with me? Yes. Are you understanding me? Is this going straight over your head? Are you with me? Look at verse 10. Hmm? It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. Suddenly I heard him, heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. Yep. Being focused on worshiping the Spirit and hearing Jesus. You can't hear Jesus. You only hear Holy Spirit. You only hear Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Or do you disagree? It's okay. I don't right. disagree. It's just a new thought. So yeah. All right. Now, maybe you're asking, what's the voice of the Father sound like? Glad you asked, because I'm going to talk about it. Let's start in... Uh, 
Let's go to Job 37. <laughs> Job 37, verse 2. And I'm going to read to 5. Okay? And it starts right off the bat. You with me? Yes. Keep listening to the thunder of his voice and the rumbling that comes from his mouth. Under the whole heaven, he lets it go and is lightning to the corners of the earth. After it, his voice roars. He thunders with his majestic voice and he does not restrain the lightnings. When his voice is heard. God's thunderous, wondrous, sorry. God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. Yeah, are you getting me? His voice sounds like thunder to the extent that I can't comprehend. Now go to John 12. Verse 29. John 12, 29. Is it 12? Yes. Yeah. I think. Yes. Yeah. Did I do it right? Yep, you're right. Great. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, this is cool. I was wrote a lot of yeah. Okay, the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. What? What had thundered? Oh, his voice. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it's thunderous. Remember? Remember mm -hmm. what we read in John or in Job? Mm -hmm. Yes. The the crowd that stood there and heard it and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, The voice has come for your sake, not mine. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so like, I hope you're grabbing this. Yes. Because this is revolutionary thinking here. Okay? The Father speaks in thunder, the Son speaks in water, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Go to Psalm 18, verse 13. Here's the last one about the Father. We were just there. Psalm 18, verse 13. And it says, The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered His voice. Okay, so we can kind of see two characters in that verse, yes? Mm -hmm. The Lord, being the Father, mm -hmm. thundered in the heavens. Holy Spirit, the Most High, uttered his voice. Remember who wrote this is David. David was the same man in Psalm 51 who said, Take not your spirit from me. He understood who Holy Spirit was. Yes, he understood him on a completely different level than we even do today. Mm -hmm. So he understands that the Most High is the one who interprets to his heart. 
That's why Holy Spirit is the one who interprets tongues, not me. That's why Holy Spirit gives me language to the scripture that I read every day. That's why Holy Spirit teaches me about the deepest things of God Almighty. That's why Holy Spirit searches the depths of who? God, God, the Father, to bring us new revelation. Because he understands. Because we're in fellowship with him. Yes? Yes. Are we seeing who the person of the Holy Spirit is in our lives? Yes. Go to Acts 10. I know, I'm getting you guys flipping. It's good for you. Acts 10. Acts 10, verse 19. Because the people in Acts started to realize that this was taking place. Okay? People in Acts were like, oh, right? Not saying the Old Testament didn't say Spirit of the Lord all the time, but they started getting a little bit more specific in Acts. In Acts. So Acts 10, 19, it reads. Am I moving too fast? No. Tell me if I, can, if I need to pause. We're about to keep our pants. Right now. What is it, Acts what? Acts 10. 19 through 20. We're almost done. This is what messed me up. My buddy. I was like, that's not right. That's a This is 11. Acts 10, 19. Is this making sense so far? Yes. You guys with me? Any questions right now? Right, that's where in the heat of this. Okay. No, I literally never thought about it. I also thought about comments of like Jesus is inside of me. Yeah. The spirit of Jesus is. Which will mess with your theology a little bit too. Because he's inside of you. But who's the spirit of Jesus? Well, Holy Spirit was an anointed Jesus himself too. So you you do the math. My biggest objection when you started too is like, well, we could hear Jesus speak, you know, but he then didn't hear Jesus says, right? He only speaks whenever this word perfects You know, it's teaching theology about Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. Because if we discount Jesus' humanity just because he was fully God, all of this goes out the window. But he was fully flesh. So therefore, he fully needed to be under the authority of Holy Spirit to be fully God too. Mm-hmm. Right? He couldn't just be fleshy. Or else mm-hmm. all of our theology gets blown out the window and he's not Messiah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So Acts 10, verse uh, 19, as we pick back up. Mm-hmm. It's okay. He says... Um, it reads, sorry, and while Peter was pondering the vision, okay, anybody mm-hmm. know what vision this is? The pigs on the blanket. Yeah, pigs on the blanket, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Never thinking of that the same <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, so while Peter was pondering this vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down. Yes? Okay, the Spirit said to him. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Go to 
Acts 8. Should be one page over. Maybe two of you have Ashton's Bible. <laughs> Acts 8, um, verse 29. You kind of understand where this is headed. Um, this is Philip with the Ethiopian... Yes? Yes. Yeah. So Philip ran and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand these readings? Um, oh, sorry, I read 30. Here's 29. This is 29. 29 is the one that I wanted to talk about. And the Spirit said to Philip... <laughs> yeah? yeah? And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. How many times do you think a chariot went by that day? I don't know. You know, but it makes me think. Like, okay, how many cars go by on a road? All right, yeah. uh, a lot. Mm -hmm. Why that chariot? Why was that one so special? Well, because Philip was the reason that Africa got saved. Mm -hmm. Straight up, that is mind blowing. Yeah. Philip, this one encounter with some guy in a chariot who was reading Isaiah, who had no idea what he was talking about. Philip discerned, heard Spirit speak, and ran. And said, hey, this is talking about Messiah. He's here. Or he came, actually, and he wants to invite you into relationship. And remember what the Ethiopian king said? Where's the water? Mm -hmm. I need to get baptized right now. Right? Mm -hmm. And then he went back to Africa, and wham, everybody got saved. Yes? Mm -hmm. Okay? This is what put into motion the salvation of Africa. Or Ethiopia, sorry. Mm -hmm. I Okay, I hope you understand that. Makes sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. So Spirit spoke to, spoke to Peter. Spirit spoke to Philip. Spirit obviously spoke to Paul. Mm -hmm. Spirit spoke to Jesus. <laughs> Spirit spoke to every single person who did anything for the Lord in all of Scripture. Mm -hmm. Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. Whoa. And now, here we are today, and he speaks to me. He speaks to you. That's the only way I can understand Scripture. Mm -hmm. It's the only way, only way you can get anything out of Scripture is if the Holy Spirit says, this is exactly what you're supposed to read, and this is what exactly I want to speak to you today. Mm -hmm. <sighs> One of those moments, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Yeah. The cool thing is there don't have to be moments. Did you know Adam was created and then Holy Spirit filled him? And that's what gave Adam life. Did you know that? That's in Genesis 2. The breath of God is who? Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Holy Spirit was on earth even before that. He was hovering on the waters. He's the real deal. In Job 26, 13, it says, uh, actually, let's turn there because I want to put, put eyes on it and make sure that I don't botch. What is it? 2613. Job. Job. 2613. It reads. That is not it. Uh oh. Never read it. now. That's fine. By his wind. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. By his hand. Pierced the fleeing serpent. By his wind. Who's his wind? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. It sure is. The heavens were made fair. 
in other translations, I think it says, um, and uh, the Father adorned his creation by the Spirit. Oh, cool, <laughs> right? That's beautiful, all right? Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit onto and into his disciples. What was that? Well, here we go. Do you get it? 14. For whom can concern the founder of the Spirit. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense? What we have to realize is we don't have anything, or let me say it this, or this way, we have nothing if we don't have Holy Spirit. Our goal should be to stay in step with Him and love Him and abide in Him and never leave Him. And at the end of the day, what we have to realize is all the successes in Scripture were made possible by Holy Spirit. Do you really think that rock had any gusto on Goliath? Or did the Holy Spirit do something powerful? Mm -hmm. Do you understand this? Mm -hmm. What's amazing is if we are not in step with the Spirit, what takes place is we're, we're voiding that he said, I go before you and prepare a path before you. Yes? Mm -hmm. We're actually taking that out of Scripture and saying, I don't believe in that. But the fascinating thing is the Holy Spirit has already prepared something for us. Not only for tomorrow morning in our quiet time, not even just for tomorrow morning as we drive so-and-so or, you know, wherever. But the, the details of every single ounce of life He's already prepared them to work out the purposes for the glory of the Father and the Son. <laughs> Why? Well, because they already spoke it. Holy Spirit's just leading us. Wouldn't it be a shame not to know Holy Spirit? Yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but it's not fellowship. It's not relationship. And it's nothing that I want to be a part of. Holy Spirit is the one who says, I heard the thunder spoke, speak over Ashton, and I'm going to interpret it to her. I heard the waters whisper over Katie, and Holy Spirit interprets and delivers to Katie properly. Not saying the Holy Spirit can't speak for himself. He's more than capable. But he loves when our mentality is, I only do what the Father does and only speak what the Father speaks. Mm -hmm. He thrives on that. And he says, I will accept your invitation every single time you say yes to that reality. Mm -hmm. The Spirit and the Bride both say come. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. Are you grabbing this? Our relationship with the Holy Spirit should change forevermore because we understand what he's doing, how he speaks, and what he does. Yes? Mm -hmm. yeah. Not just that he's some blob that I move to and fro, not, not some, some thing that I just boss around, not something, anything lesser than God, but he is God himself and that he's the only one who understands the Father and the Son, and he's the one who interprets and delivers all of the purposes for 
all of our lives. And meanwhile, he counsels your spirit. He goes to the depths of God to, to conquer the depths in you. He hovers on the waters, which is really cool because Jesus' voice sounds like rushing waters. Mm -hmm. Right? He hovers and he breathes. He's the only reason that I have life. Yes, Jesus died on that cross, but I would have no idea. I would have no idea if Holy Spirit didn't tell me. Mm -hmm. How do you know that Jesus rose from the dead? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. No other way. Have you read a book? Well, the book tries to prove itself, though, right? <laughs> There's apologetics and 101 kind of thing. At the end of the day, how do I know? Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Holy Spirit. That's it. Mm -hmm. He is it. He revealed Jesus to me. He revealed the Father to me. Mm -hmm. He revealed my purposes to me. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And we should invite that, shouldn't we? Mm -hmm. We should long for it, actually. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. anything less than that is grieving him. Not making him sad in that sense of grieving, but literally that word grieving means to push aside. Have you ever been pushed aside before? Yeah. Say, hey, get out of my way. I've got somewhere else to go. That's what a person unyielded to the Spirit does every single day. They say, get to the side. I have my own purposes. But our posture needs to be, I only go if you go. I only stay if you stay. I only pray if you pray. Right? Mm -hmm. Do you want more on that? Well, actually, here. I'll invite you into this this week. Read Romans 8. Every single day. Let me give you the perfect... Because if you read this... Every single day, you'll be like, okay, now I get it. Where, what the heck? It's after Acts. Keep on flipping too far. Romans 8, verse 1 through 11. Read that, make a list of it. Say, so what does life in the Spirit look like? Chapter 8, 1 through 11. What does life in the Spirit look like? Read it every single day. Make that list. And ask the Lord for more. Right? This will change your scripture reading. This will change your gospel sharing. This will change your interaction at church. It will change everything. If I understand that the Holy Spirit has already prepared a way for me to share the gospel to certain people, at certain times, in certain places. If he invites me that I can only pray what he prays. Did you know that? <laughs> Holy crap. It'll change your prayer life forever. Then I don't have to come up with my own prayers anymore. That's what praying in the Spirit means. Mm -hmm. Not tongues. That's cool. Yippee. But praying in the Spirit means I never have to think of what to pray anymore. I just partner with him. 
He tells me what to pray for. And I should never be afraid of asking a friend that I'm in fellowship with anything. That's our relationship with Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Lord, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for who you are in our lives. Thank you that you welcome us into a fellowship. Holy Spirit, would I never grieve you? Would I never push you away? Would I never push you aside? Would I say yes to you? Would I say yes to your ways? Would I say yes to your leadings? Holy Spirit, thank you for going above and beyond in every way that I could even fathom. So we just honor you tonight, Lord. Pray that you would quicken our spirits to be in step with your spirit. That you would mark our lives with where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I'll stay. And what you pray, I'll pray. I pray that you would mark us with that. And that would I, I wouldn't look anywhere else but at you. That I would keep my eyes locked on you, Jesus. That I would keep my eyes locked on you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your truth and the illumination of your truth. Thank you for your life and the illumination of your life. And thank you for your way and the illumination of your way. In Jesus' name, amen.